Hi everyone, welcome to Behind the Scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron, a podcast that uncovers the hidden heroes and untold stories in the world of healthcare. I am your host, Dr. Rona Odigbe, or Dr. Ron for short, and I'm excited to take you on an insightful journey behind the curtains of the healthcare industry. I'm a medical doctor with a postgraduate degree in clinical anatomy and another in health informatics. I'm interested in healthcare technologies, innovation, patient care, informatics, and health content creation. In this podcast, we delve deep into the lives of healthcare workers, shining a spotlight on the dedicated professionals who work tirelessly behind the scenes to deliver exceptional care to patients. While doctors and nurses often take the center stage, there are countless unsung heroes who play critical roles in ensuring the seamless functioning of the healthcare system. From the skilled medical laboratory scientists and technologists who analyze samples and provide crucial diagnostic insights, to the compassionate medical social workers who offer support and guidance to patients and their families, we explore the multifaceted and essential contributions of every member of the healthcare team. Join us as we share stories of resilience, innovation, and teamwork that drive the heart of healthcare. We'll talk to healthcare administrators who navigate the complexities of managing a hospital efficiently. And we'll hear from healthcare researchers who are at the forefront of groundbreaking medical discoveries. Our podcast goes beyond the clinical aspects of healthcare as we shed light on the challenges and triumph of healthcare workers during the pandemic and beyond. We will discuss the mental and emotional toll of the profession and how these dedicated individuals find strength in the face of adversity while not overlooking those individuals who have pivoted into the non-clinical areas of healthcare and still contributing their quota to healthcare delivery. Behind the scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron is not just a podcast. It's a tribute to those who work diligently behind the scenes, often without recognition, to improve and save lives. Each episode will inspire you, leaving you with a newfound appreciation for the unsung heroes shaping the landscape of healthcare. If you're curious to explore the passion, commitment, and innovation that go into delivering quality healthcare, this podcast is for you. So tune in to Behind the Scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron and be a part of the conversation that celebrates the relentless spirit of those who make healthcare possible. It is my hope that with this podcast, we will shed light on these areas, improve patient care, and hopefully inspire the next generation of healthcare professionals, one conversation at a time. Subscribe now and join us on this enlightening journey through the art and soul of healthcare. And yes, we are live. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the channel. As usual, my name is Dr. Ron, and I bring you guys an exciting episode on the show. And today we have with us in the studio the Money Wise Doctor. I'll leave him to introduce himself. And today we're going to be talking about black tax. You know, for the past uh, couple of days on X or formerly Twitter, it's been trending. You know, what's black tax? People are angry, they are paying black tax. You know, looking at it from the cultural perspective, should we really pay this money and all of that? So thought it would, would just be wise, you know, to have that conversation. So and luckily I was able to get money wise doctor to come on the show to come and talk to us about black tax and um, basically how it affects IMGs because I mean it affects everybody, but I mean let's narrow that, this down to the healthcare space, especially the IMGs, those who have jackpot in quotes and apparently have a lot of money to be sending back home. So money-wise, doctor, over to you. So let's meet you and you know, a brief introduction. 
Hi, Dr. Ron. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, it's nice to have this chat. It's something we've talked about a little bit. So I'm Dr. Andy Green. Most people call me um, Andy. It's originally Andy. That's in the BC, but I've ended up as Andy. Um, the most important thing that the Czech seems to have the right name on it. Yeah, so I'm the founder and, and managing partner of MoneyWiseDoctor.com. Can you sort of a, a platform for doctors, healthcare professionals in the UK, and also some people. So a lot of our a lot of our readers and people on our platform come from other parts of the world, and we focus on helping doctors to get their finances right. It's more like a personal finance platform. Um, yeah. yeah. So black tax is something that most time when you talk to people about investing, you talk about saving. They said. But I've got this other thing that seems to be something I need to deal with. So black tax is really, really important topic. I think you have to always deal with when you are dealing with um, an international medical graduate, a doctor from you know what we call the developing countries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. All right. So I'll just start by you know asking what's the definition of black tax because. Yesterday, I think I posted the question in one of the WhatsApp groups I was in, and somebody asked me, what is black tax? You know, and apparently it looks like a lot of people don't know what it is, even though they do it, but they don't know that is what it's called. So I think it's wise or we should start with the definition of what black tax is. Of course, let's jump right into it. I know a lot of times um, people say, what, what do you mean black tax? Is it only for black people? Um, uh, or the other way, said is a tax you're paying that HMRC. So in the UK, HMRC is the tax collector. Is a tax you're paying that HMRC doesn't know about, and you can't really get any relief. So basically, in a nutshell, it's sort of an obligation. I may, maybe some people say it's not an obligation, but it's an obligation that you sort of pay towards your family or friends um by the just by the reason that you happen to be in a better financial position um so for instance just making it simple if you you know you started out as a young doctor or nurse healthcare professional you're doing all right but then you find yourself travel to the us uk or wherever and you're probably earning a bit more then apart from your regular expenses you have in the uk or wherever you live having to send back money to support mm -hmm. different family members different things um sometimes it might come in form of paying significant fees like school fees or it might be health care it might just be supporting people for their upkeep and it doesn't always end up being your nuclear family and obviously a lot of us from nigeria africa different parts of the world and i think our asian colleagues as well we come from a family-oriented culture so most times we don't mind, it, it is part of it, it's our joy to do. But a lot of times we also find out that some people are really struggling under the heavy burden of it. They're, they're sort of like struggling to try to pick up an extra job here and there and making yeah. some really big life choices based on that. I'm sure we'll delve a bit more into that as we go yeah. forward. Sure, definitely. You know, as you were speaking, I just remember you know, a couple of days ago, there was this tweet uh, video about, um, I think it was Mikel Obi, you know, where he was complaining about how much he spent, you know, nobody cares, blah, 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 and all of that. And I was like, okay, that's still the same black tax we are, you know, talking about. So quickly, I mean, what are the historical origins of black tax? You know, how did that really come about 
Right. I mean, basically, I saw that Twitter of Mikel Obi. I'm sure that his own black tax is probably more significant than whatever myself or Ron can, <laughs> can, can, can pay. Again, he's, he's a big figure. Now, but if you look at it from a historical point of view, it's hard to actually pinpoint any particular point. Um, but I'll say for healthcare workers in the UK, you can trace it as far back as 1948, after the Second World War, when a lot of a lot. Um, you know nurses, especially from the Caribbean, and then later on people from other parts of the world moved to UK to come and basically work, and they were actually supposed, or they were actually helping to prop up the NHS that was really really struggling. Um, so, but a lot of this. Um, professionals had come from countries where the economies were also developing and mm -hmm. were might not have been that strong, even though they might tell you that the quality of life back home was much better for them in terms of community and you know basically who they were. Um, but then they found themselves maybe sending back home to help, maybe support friends, mm -hmm. family to either move to the UK to study or to do something else that required some sort of support. But as the years goes by, some of the countries, I'll give you an example with Nigeria, where the economy has changed dramatically over the last few years. You're finding some yeah. people needing more support than usual. Um, mm -hmm. Then it becomes a thing. And um, for some people, if it, it doesn't even have to do with migration. For instance, as a 22-year-old running my first business um, while in med school, I still had like a budget that I had to allocate to, you know, supporting family, friends and all that. So basically, there's no particular historical point where these things take off. But I yeah. think it gets to the point where if you find yourself, you start from this point with your friends and family, you get up to a higher point. We see it as a duty. We see it as something that we owe to our communities to help the other person to come up. I think that's, that's sort of like in a nutshell how black tax comes about. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned something about budget, you know, and I've heard a lot of persons say uh, they particularly, you know, create a certain amount of money as black tax quota. And once they exceed that amount, they can't do more than that. Anyway, we'll still come back to that part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Now, looking at doctors now, medical doctors, IMGs now, so in what unique ways does this black tax really affect them? Right. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that specifically because um, money-wise, doctor, a lot of what we deal with is IMGs. Um, we, we're actually for doctors generally, but we find that 70% are IMGs. Um, one of the main ways I'll say it affects IMGs is one, that sort of like limiting of options. And I, I'll okay. explain what this is. Let's say you, Dr. Ron, you decide, you know what? I don't want to be, um, I don't want to work in clinical medicine. I want to go and try my hands in, in a different area, project management, or like you, you did, you're a business analyst. Yeah. And you think about, yeah, but I'm going to have to maybe not be able to locum or do something and all that. That means it's going to cut down the amount of money I'm going to be able to send home. So you see, it's already limiting your career options, not just because of money you can earn to pay your own. Maybe your income already, if you made a career switch, obviously you have to start from somewhere. You might still yeah. be able to sustain your lifestyle. But now you can't do that because you're thinking about, oh, right, 
I've got someone who is planning their wedding and they're needing money to plan their wedding and I need to support them and all that. Um, and, and that's not just for big moves, like moving from one area to another, mm -hmm. even just in your career options, let's say you're thinking, oh, maybe I should train and become a family medicine physician, that's a GP, yeah. and it's going to take me three years and I start getting a better pay, or I would rather prefer to be a, a cardiologist or a cardiothoracic surgeon, but that's going to take me seven years as a junior doctor or even yeah. more. I think, no, but I need to support this and so person. So I'm just going to take a different career option, which may or may not be your first choice. So mm -hmm. this is one, just one way for international medical graduates. Of course, there are multiple other ways, and I, I'll mention a few more. There's the mental burden, there's the mental and emotional aspect of it. When you feel, am I doing enough? Yes, it's true that I'm actually putting down 25% of my income or whatever percentage you're putting down, but you feel like there's an endless need I mean, some of us, we're fortunate. If you're fortunate and you don't have such demands coming all the time, but even if there are no demands, you know that, oh, this is, oh, there's that need. I need to do that. So yeah. that there's that emotional burden. There's that mental burden. Um, you see, Mikel Obi that you mentioned, he came to the point mm -hmm. where he's saying he had family members where he said, I've done so much. And then they think, you're not doing enough. We're going exactly. to go public. I say, oh, I've got someone like John Michelobi, who is a multi-millionaire, is a global superstar, and I'm living in squalor. Um, mm -hmm. Despite the fact that it's possible he might have already done quite a bit. Yeah, really? yeah, just playing around that he's actually done a lot for them, but that's topic for another conversation. <laughs> that, that's one of the cryptic nature of black tax, you see. With HMRC, we can publish what tax we paid. With black tax, most times it's hidden. It's not mm -hmm. obvious. Most yeah. times people cannot see. It's not something you're broadcasting. And a lot of times you're wondering, oh, like I live in I live in uh, Devon and Cornwall. I think, oh, my colleague who makes the same amount of money with me is going the same amount of money as myself, or even a bit less. Is buying a boat and he's bought a couple of horses. I think, mm, <laughs> do I buy a boat? I like to buy a boat, but you know, I've got just yeah. this sort of. You know, yeah. So we've talked about limiting career choices. We've talked about the mental, emotional toil. Obviously, it also means that sometimes you might, you might have to do a bit more work. You find people picking up extra shift, extra locums, and uh, these all obviously have an impact. Dr. Ron, you know this. It has an impact on their mental health. It could actually increase their risk as well. If you're working more hours, you might actually be more prone to make more mistakes. And it's no secret that international medical graduates tend to, you know, get called to the GMC a bit more often. Not not necessarily because they're not good doctors, but different mm -hmm. cultural settings, different sort of challenges, you know. So these are some of the um, impacts that could actually come with the black tax. Obviously, yeah. again, it's really important to shed light, uh, sort of put it in, in, in perspective that why it's really important culturally you want to support your family. But finding that balance, which is something we're going to talk about as well, yeah. finding that balance, where do you draw the line? Where do you go between being supportive and also making sure that you don't drown yourself? Finding that balance. Exactly. You know, I think that, that word is very important, you know, drowning, I mean, yourself, because they say it's only somebody who is afloat that can, you know, support <laughs> other people. 
Right. And now looking at what you're doing with uh, or in moneywise.com now, <clears throat> in terms of building personal wealth now, do you have people who are complaining or saying this black tax thing is really limiting them in terms of you know maybe making good investments or you know securing a good financial base for themselves before thinking of other persons absolutely so that that's when um when we work with people who are from let's say doctors who are from the uk or from different backgrounds a lot of times what we get is student loan that's their own some of them are actually not all of them because we've seen quite a few doctors in the uk yeah. especially those um from african parents they grew up in the uk who don't have student loan for the average uk doctor will say oh i've got a student loan but when it comes to doctors who have graduated abroad most times enough to then loan they've got like sort of like dependents who are not listed formally as a dependent that's sort of like black tax again <laughs> formal dependent is is a tax that you cannot claim any relief for yeah so you cannot really address personal finance. You know, you know, people talk about personal finance, there are multiple books and all that. But say personal finance is very personal. You cannot really address personal finance for an IMG without addressing that bit. Because a lot of people have moved for different reasons. For some of us we moved because we are doing a master's, we came for education, and some people moved purely as an economic migrant. So yes, we do meet quite a few people and that's something we do get into. We address it quite quickly, have a clear way of dealing with it yeah. before you can even, and if, if you haven't done that, it might be difficult for you to allocate resources for your savings, emergency fund, investment mm -hmm. fund. And of course, my own little bucket, I like to talk about the fund fund, the money you can actually use for guilt-free enjoyment. Yeah, which is good for your mental health. But you see, if you haven't allocated money for the black tax, as we call it, what will happen if you find yourself in, let's say you are in Mallorca, or you find yourself in Seychelles, or in, in you know, then you're posting your pictures on Instagram. Someone said, but he said he didn't have any money to money. help me pay a bigger rent. Yeah, but if you had a black tax, you're going to say, I've done my bit. The same way you don't mind enjoying your money when you've paid HMRC. You know, you've given to Caesar, the one that is for Caesar. To Caesar, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting. So, I mean, looking at, I mean, you've been able to highlight, you know, some of the impact of black tax on um, IMGs, right? Which is quite a huge burden. And I mean, a lot of persons don't really, you know, talk about this or have these conversations because, again, from a cultural perspective, it's something they're expected to do. You know, mm -hmm. even though somebody, if they don't ask you, you know, you're emotionally bound somehow to always say, okay, you need to send something back, you need to do something, and all of that. <clears throat> so, in terms of navigating this, you know, uh, will I call it the Red Sea now? Or finding a balance really was the best approach really in terms of you know meeting the cultural expectations and at the same time trying to pursue your own financial goals because at the end of the day i think the the main impact of black taxes it's pulling me down from you know securing a financial base for myself or something 
Fantastic. I, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, basically the way I look at it is um I was privileged to be able to, you know, come in contact to this from an early, you know, sort of like I started getting a bit of money a bit early while I was still in medical school. Yeah. I, I was also fortunate to be from a background where there wasn't that, you know, someone asking you right now, I need it right now. So I had to come up with my own strategy, which really helped. Um, what I tend to suggest is definitely do not want to pretend that it's not there. The ostrich strategy of burying your head in the sand is not going to work. Even if your brother or sister or, or father or mother, if they don't need, um, or if they seemingly don't need anything for you, a primary school or secondary school classmate is going to need something from you. So don't yeah. bury your head in the sand. You need to address it. That's <laughs> one. <laughs> don't pretend it's not there. Number two, how do you address it? Budget for it. I learned this mm -hmm. very early. Make a budget for it. At some point in my life, for two years, I worked with an international NGO and we had budgets. We had budgets for different things. I managed the project for them. We had budgets, we have budgets is allocated for different purposes. And if we run out of money for that year, we'll run out of money. It's going to be for next year. And also, if you happen to come to us and you need money for something else, let's say you need money for TB, tuberculosis project, but this money yeah. has been ring fenced for HIV or is ring fenced for malaria, then that money is going to go to that other purpose. We can say, oh, we don't have money for this one. We have money for this one. So approach it the same way. Let's mm -hmm. say when you get your pot of money, what we usually teach doctors, moneywise doctor.com, say there should be an allocation for savings, especially if you already have your emergency fund set up, for investment that should go out directly. And then the rest obviously will deal with your bills and other on the rest of it. And for people who have children, there's also also money going automatically into your children's fund. But one more thing to add would be to have a percentage of that income going to black tax. Mm. Now, for some people, it might be 5%. For some people, it might be 10%. For some people, it might be 1%. For some people, it's 10%. You have to decide on your own and say, rather than an amount, let yeah. it be a percentage of your mm -hmm. income. I know that this is dedicated to solving problems because Let's look at it this way. A lot of times people bash it, but black tax is good. A lot of people, including myself and yourself, might have also benefited directly or indirectly Absolutely. from black tax. Yeah, you might have been raised by your parents or whoever paid your, you know, paid your way through school. But a lot of us benefit one way or the other. But sort of just making that clear, you know, plan. So a percentage of my income is going to go to this. So what that does is that it gives you that freedom of being able to now have this pot of money that you can then use to help sort out issues. Now, the key to it is managing it like an NGO, <laughs> managing it like a proper international NGO. I'll give you a simple example, Dr. Ron. Let's say I've got like 10% of my income, 5% of my income I set aside every month. and People make their proposals the same way people make proposals to or you know demand. to get funding yeah. exactly. Let's call it proposal so it sounds nice. They make <laughs> a proposal exactly, and one person comes and says, you know, maybe from the country where they are coming from, there's no universal health care like in mm -hmm. the UK, 
and they said, my mom is in the hospital, she's really unwell, and she's got this, and they're going to need such and so amount for a hospital bill. That's a proposal. Put it on the table. And then someone else comes and says, I'm planning a wedding for next month, but I don't really like the DJ that we've got. We're trying to get like a DJ, or maybe you're just planning a wedding. We don't really know what they need money for. And they're asking you to contribute to the wedding. What do you do? Take it, put it on the table. Okay. Someone else comes and says, oh, I'm trying to start a business. Um, what's the business? Oh, I want to start trading in crypto. What do you do? Take it, put it on your table. Now, when we go back to that table, and sometimes that table might not be only you. For some people who are married or they've got families, or you know, I, I tend to refer to my, my toddler, my wife, as my board of directors. I'm just holding their money. For me, any money I'm holding is family money. So sometimes I need to consult your board of directors because they are spending the family wealth resources. I say, oh, there are these two people. This person wants to write PLAB and move to the UK. Maybe we can help them because we know that would increase their capacity to earn when they are past their PLAB. And then they might even be able to pay it forward. And then there's this other person who is sick in the hospital. Their parents are sick. There's no way to help. So you'd be happy to support. And then obviously the person that needs um, to get a better DJ might not be on top of the list for that particular month. But mm -hmm. you know what? They can apply next month if the wedding hasn't happened. And then we'll look at it again and prioritize. What you might find is that some months you might have surplus. Some months you might run out, you know? But it just turns out that that way there's less stress. You're not thinking about it. You're not saying, oh, people are always demanding stuff from me. And again, you also know in your head, there's a piece that comes with it knowing I've allocated this, this pot and this is what it is for. And even some months, if nobody asks for it and you're feeling like it, you can still donate it to charity. You can actually mm -hmm. call up somebody and say, oh, I understand you're doing quite well. You're learning this stuff. I want to support your business. I want to help you do stuff. So I'm looking for it rather than pretending that it doesn't exist is one sure way to manage black tax. It's not going to go away. So why not deal with it properly? Mm. Interesting. Now, there's another school of thoughts that says rather than, you know, you keep sending money as black tax, why don't we sort of consider, you know, maybe empowering people to make their own money rather than depending on people, you know, to keep sending us money every month. So what, what do you think about that? Is, is the old um, teach a man to fish rather than, you know, give them fish. And to be quite frank, I'm all for it, more for it. Um, I've got a few friends who have actually you know, we've come together, do some projects. In fact, one individually has come up with, you know, a couple of millions of Naira, obviously, which runs in several thousands of pounds to help an old mate um, back home to set up, you know, a business and do all that. And while it's good, we are all at different stages of our journey. And mm -hmm. while each individual might say, oh, I might be able to support this person to this level, Another person might be able to just be able to, you might not be able to buy a car to for someone to do Uber, you know, yeah. or you might be able to you might be able to help them to buy a tire. So yeah. it might be that at the level where you are, what you can do is to buy the tire. I'll say, yes, 
help as much as you can to empower people and that's fantastic that's that's great but don't let it limit you don't say oh well now because i'm not able to help this person to set up a business yet but they are feeling unwell they are hungry they are struggling or maybe they're in a hospital or something i should wait till i'm able to set up a business for them no mm -hmm. they might not even be there not it, business is not for everybody some of them might not actually be able to run a business it might be okay. that what they need at that point is to be able to manage you know to eat their day-to-day -day activities Absolutely. maybe support yeah. them maybe Maybe they've been unfortunate and ended up being unwell and they can't access healthcare. And then maybe you can take things to the next level. You can set up a fund and say, okay, this fund is, if you come up with a bright business idea, come and talk to me. For instance, let me give you an example, video editing. If someone says, look, I like to learn video editing, or I've learned it, it's for free to learn everything on YouTube. And yeah. there are lots of people doing stuff, someone like me, I don't really have time to sit down and be doing video editing. They, you see people from different countries. I'm seeing a lot of young stars from Pakistan, India, different. They're really quite good at this stuff. They learn it, you know, and a lot of from Nigeria as well. So if someone comes and says, oh, I've learned this thing, but I just want to, you know, learn this course. I use it to improve my skills and all that. Obviously, you just realize, oh, yeah, I can support this person and they can actually start a business. Example, I, I mentioned earlier on, a doctor and nurse who says, oh, I can I like to write my plab, get my, you know, get my license to practice in a different country. I think, yeah, of course, I support this person because it's not going to be forever dependent. So yeah. I think that should be the long-term view. But as much as we think of that long-term view, it's really important to meet short-term needs as well. Yeah. And like you said, majority of those short-term needs usually bother around you know, issues around healthcare, uh, they're trying to pay hospital bills or they're trying to buy medications, you know, they're just in a hospital, they don't have money to buy drugs or they want to buy money to eat food or, you know, add to their house rent. You know, really basic, basic stuff, really. That's what all this money is usually uh, getting to most of the time, which, yeah, quite um, <clears throat> interesting. Now, in terms of... Um, I think I, I was having this offline conversation with someone else now. That is it really possible? Again, I think maybe I don't even know if there's a way they quantify the black tax. Even maybe some people are paying more black tax than other people. You know, I mean, I don't know. So the argument was, it's not really if you keep on playing paying black tax. You know. Uh, there are some people that don't know how to say no, really, and they keep struggling. Like you said, when we're starting, you know, they are drowning. You know, they are making all yeah. the money, but all the money is still flying away. And deep down, they really wish they can, you know, put a barrier somewhere to say this is the limit. But somehow they are not at peace because they feel they've not met that uh, obligation of, you know, helping those back home how do we resolve this issue? Because it's now like a vicious cycle, sort of. Yeah, I understand that. It can be quite um, a difficult place to be. Um, but a good place to start to be, one, if you realize that even if you take 100% of what you make, and what you will ever make, 
-hmm. and try to solve all the problems. You will never solve all the problems. Once you know that and no peace, just start from there as a premise. Now, the second thing will be understand that once you've done your bit, you make that budget because a lot of people who struggle with this, a lot of times they've not actually had a budget. They've not actually made a plan for it. And they might think that, oh, I'm not giving enough. I'm giving too much. But once you've made, if you put some numbers to it, for instance, you said 25%, okay, let me not use 25% because most times if you give your 25% away, you might struggle in this country to even <laughs> save. <laughs> to even invest, to even pay your bills. But let's just use a comfortable, let's say 5%. Yeah. If you realize, oh, 5% of my income since I started working here is going to social purpose, you can actually quantify it. And think about it. Let's say your income, you're, you're earning 50,000 pounds. And um, for a lot of people, yeah, if you earn 50,000 pounds as a junior doctor, mm. and you're putting 5% away, I don't know. I don't know if we should be getting into public maths here, but five percent. <laughs> I think that that will work out somewhere around um, for fifty thousand. That should be about five hundred, two thousand five hundred pounds. So yeah. let's say you're putting away two thousand five hundred pounds annually. If you're donating two thousand five hundred pounds to any charity in the UK or Nigeria or anywhere, and um, they'll probably be writing you a beautiful letter of appreciation every year, and then they might actually invite you specially. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that a lot of us do much more than that. Exactly. So if you if you understand this, you quantify, then it makes you to feel a bit more at peace. Because what happens with black tax, unlike other sorts of taxes, that you do you take that two thousand five hundred, you give one person fifty, you give another person hundred, give somebody one thousand. So the person that gets a hundred, it seems like oh yeah, you get you give me a hundred pounds. He doesn't realize that you're giving to multiple other people at the same time. Oh, yeah. But but you need to understand that well, you cannot please everybody at the same mm -hmm. time, and people walk through things in different ways. Some people actually have to seek therapy to to be able to walk through these things, you do what you gotta do. If you need to talk to a financial coach or you need to talk to a therapist or you need to discuss it with your spouse or discuss it with a mentor or someone who has already gone ahead of you, ask them, how do you manage this stuff? How do you go about it? So understanding that, look, even if you give yourself to, you know, all your income, future income, you're not going to solve all the problems. So having a particular peg, once you put that peg, it helps you to actually make sure, one, that you're actually contributing because it actually might make some people to contribute. Mm -hmm. They might think, oh, I'm contributing because I gave somebody a bit of money, but not really, maybe you could actually do a bit more and everybody has to decide what they are comfortable doing. Um, yeah. But just having that sort of budgeting towards it, I think it helps, it is more empowering because that way you realize, oh yeah, this is what I can do. This is what I'm able to manage. And it doesn't mean that it's fixed. Maybe along the line, you might decide, you know what, I want to increase my contribution. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might decide, well, the way things are now, I think you might need to tighten the knot a little bit and review yeah. the same way NGOs review their budgets, review their policies, and uh, you know, depending as you go up or down, um, but again, it's just being thoughtful about it, making a plan about it, and working towards it. Absolutely, you're correct. I think um, part of that was that therapy, therapy part, really. 
quite interesting. Mm. <laughs> so people are therapy. therapy, yeah, to walk through these issues. I mean, it could really be a burden. I mean, from the people I've spoken to, I mean, I've got my own personal experience too, you know. Doing that. I'm not sure there's anybody who doesn't pay black tax in one form or the <laughs> other, really. So I think you're, you're right in, you know, pegging the budget. Now, I mean, you've shared a couple of tips for how to manage, you know, expectations, manage black tax for <clears throat> medical doctors who are maybe in the UK or wherever they are, really. Which I think, um, if anybody you know follows through, should really help them to you know solidify their financial base and still be mm -hmm. able to meet up those responsibilities that they think um, they they have to meet at home, wherever it is they're sending money to. Now another part I would like to you know probably dig a little more is so the part of where you've given right and somebody comes back to say it's not enough and you probably start feeling guilty how do you manage that scenario <laughs> right um again it, it boils down again to understanding where the lines are where enough is enough mm -hmm. um is different this is why personal finance is different it's personal because it's different for everyone um you just a lot of times have to decide to be happy with what you've done and where you are if for instance you met someone and again remember this is something you're paying you're helping to support let's say you had a child and you gave the child something and they came back and said it wasn't enough the first thing would be to think is it really enough? Is it not enough? Is the child needing more money so that they can buy a sick, you know, sick crepes, as, as, mm -hmm. as the youngsters call it these days? They want to buy a proper trainer. They don't just want to be wearing one tent. They want to wear a better one. Is, yeah. that, is that for the reason? Or is it that maybe what you're giving is not really enough? Maybe sometimes some people, because they've been abroad for a long time, because black tax is not limited to people abroad people in Nigeria also pay black tax it, it, yeah. um, but sometimes okay. you might think oh I gave this guy some money I think it's a lot of money but it might not be a lot of money because there's been inflation and all that so personally myself this year I've done a review twice I've got direct debits and stuff that I do for my own black tax so I've had to review it on a couple of occasions and I think oh yeah this there are some parameters you look at anything Oh, this money might not be enough anymore so i'm going to do this adjustment so one way you can do is to really check if you still got capacity to do more am mm -hmm. i able to improve on what i'm doing in that area again you don't have to but if you feel like all oh, right you're feeling guilty you have to check okay can i do a bit more is there something more i can do maybe there's inflation and maybe you no know, because people don't realize there's also inflation in the uk and that's one way to start so you can do a review as much as you can manage without actually damaging your own personal finance or yeah. putting your own self under unnecessary unhealthy yeah, yeah. pressure. Now, when you realize that you've done that, then you might need to learn how to be at peace and say, I've done what I can. Yeah, and remember, yeah. remember, you are not, I don't know, for Christians, you understand what we call alpha and omega. 
This is Greek. <laughs> You're not the beginning and the end of this person's life. Yes. If, for instance, I'll give you an example, and this hits home. It's very personal to me. A childhood friend we knew before he became doctors, and then um, unfortunately at 36, 37 years old, he, he just died earlier this year. And um, it's a young, fit guy. He was um, very brilliant to surgical training. Um, obviously, somehow, somehow, whoever was a dependent will somehow figure out a way to manage. So if you think about it that way, you realize, hmm, I'm not hoping that anything goes wrong. But if for whatever reason, you suddenly find that you're not here anymore, mm-hmm. maybe if for any reason, you might find out that somehow oh, that person will be able to cope. Tough. Yes. And again, think about it. When people say, I cannot have an emergency fund, I cannot invest because there are so many things to do. I cannot plan for a holiday. I cannot take a mental health break. And I'm under pressure all the time. I'll ask you one question. If you lose your GMC license, and again, we don't hope for this to happen, but it does happen. Sometimes for people out of their control, things could go wrong. Maybe yeah. they lose their license to practice. Maybe they're not able to get, you know, for whatever reason, or even they might be unwell. Some people have become unwell and they're not able to practice. And you don't have an emergency fund. Do you think those people will be able to manage? You might find out that hmm, maybe they can still manage. They might actually, if they're helpful in a nice position, they might be able to help you. Who knows? Who knows mm-hmm. this life? Now, once you realize that, it's very empowering to understand your limits. You realize that you cannot solve everybody's problems. Problem. That might that might help you to start healing in the first place because sometimes some of these things, you need healing. <laughs> You need to hear yourself to realize, you know, you know, if you need that, remember I talked about having a financial coach, a therapist, yeah. or whatever you need to do, talking to someone. For some people, it's prayer, some people they need to go to church. So, being able to come to that realization that you are not the beginning and the end of anybody, even in your child, you're not the beginning and the end of their life. Once you come to that realization, it might help you to begin to understand, like, look, I'm going to do my best, but I'm not going to feel guilty. And if you feel guilty, sometimes, Okay, maybe a little bit of guilt here and there. Yeah. But at the same time, you want to feel secure. You don't want to be living in fear. You're going around, you don't have your finances in place. You're wondering if anything goes wrong. And I, I speak to doctors who are senior doctors earning massive amounts of money in this country, working really hard, six days, seven days, nonstop, wow. 10 years, 12 years, 13 years, 14 years. And they say, oh, we're really worried. I've spoken to quite a few who... They really wanted to talk about how they can deploy their funds, have more passive income. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest anxieties was that if suddenly they lost their income, that's why we're very hot on income protection, life insurance and all that. Because they worry that if they lost their income or source of income, or unfortunately if they pass, they're yeah. worried that things might not really be going very well for their family or loved ones. So a lot of time we, we get to that point where we're saying, no, 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 you need to set up a strong, solid financial base. You need to have your emergency fund in place, oh, which yeah. is usually three to six months of, or if you want to do even much better, it can go to six to 12 months of your monthly expenses. Yeah. So for that to work, you really need to know your monthly expenses. Two, you need to have your life insurance, income protection, and an automatic way to be investing regularly. A fixed percentage. So now, if you don't do any of those things, 
you're probably not going to be feeling very, you're going to be anxious a bit. Even if you, there are people who are, have 100 million, they're, they're being anxious. So you now have to choose, do I want to be risking the future of myself and my family so that I can just give a little bit of money, extra money to someone who I'm already giving some money yeah. so that I can feel better by myself? If that's what will make you feel better, then you need to pay a bit more to a therapist as well. <laughs> yeah, I I get it. I get it. It's quite it's quite um, an interesting one and a difficult mm. spot mm. for a lot of persons to be in. Really, you know this. You yeah, it's not life. straight. It's not straightforward. Um, personal finance is very personal, and a lot of times people they focus so much on how to get the money but pay very little time on how to allocate it, how to spend it. I, that's why you find young people at 32 or some, some of them in their early 20s, they sell a company, come in possession of a lot of money. I, it becomes, um, it ruins their life. <laughs> you hear about people who get a lottery and it just destroys their life entirely. And some actually go broke because a lot of times we are, we're just thinking about how to get the money and that's understandable when there's a bit of a scarcity of it or it seems that yeah. it's scarcity but a lot of people have not really thought about how to spend it how to deploy it how to allocate it they think about oh why why why, why am i going to this spa or why am i buying this really nice um watch or going on a nice holiday when there are still problems, problems everywhere. Like you say, Nigeria, problems not the finish. You're not the finish, you know? exactly. Problems not the finish. So even if you are living in Nigeria, you are living in Pakistan or India, even if you haven't moved to UK, I still think it's really, really important that you make a budget for black tax or whatever you call it, but also make a budget for yourself to make sure that the gives. Exactly, the goose has laying the golden egg. You should be able to be oiling the engine, make sure that you're working at your best capacity. If not, I've seen people come to a really point where they are just disgusted. They feel, it feels like I'm just like some sort of like machine producing and providing for everybody. And then um, the thing, what was the point of me being here? And as a clinician, I've seen people who definitely, usually like men or women in middle age who feel like, I'm just here serving everybody's needs. But yeah. part of part of making sure that your own mental well-being is secure is having some budget for yourself. And if you're able to allocate a fixed percentage of black tax, you're not going to feel so bad or so guilty. You have some guilt-free enjoyment, whatever it is you, you enjoy. For some of us, work on the beach is just as nice. Um, but for some other people, they've got to have that expensive bag, hemis, or, or, or whatever or it shoe. is. <laughs> or shoe. Or, <laughs> or hair. Or hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, sometimes you just need to indulge yourself too. You can't just be, you know, walking, walking, walking around the clock. The other day, I, I bought a piece of gadget. I just closed my eyes and bought it. I'm like, why am yeah, I? You're a gadget guy. Why not? Just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. and and again, I think don't just do it randomly every now and then. I think just have a plan for it also. Yeah, like we have a fun fund. We're going to spend it somehow. We're going to. Mm -hmm. I mean, either it's going to be some people. I have a friend who I showed how to develop a fun fund. She was having the same problem. 
And now she said during COVID, she missed some years that she didn't spend the fun fun. Now she's trying to go wild to catch up because that fun is for that fun, you know? Yeah. So if she's not going to invest it. She's not going to give it away. It's for fun. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's going to do. Spend the money. Yeah, so it's what it is. <laughs> that's so interesting. I'm very conscious of time. I mean, if we, if we keep doing talking about black tax it's it's not gonna end honestly it's endless it's it's really really endless you know looking at different cultural perspectives from nigeria from other parts of africa other parts of the world you know like you said the asians the indians everybody just feels culturally bound that this is something they must do whether they like it or not some people will tell you that uh I mean, it was community efforts they used to move over to the land, the promised land. So, of milk and honey. Exactly. So, they owe it to the people back home to constantly, you know, keep sending things back. But, I mean, even the land of milk and honey, it's not that rosy. That's why a lot of people don't even, you know, understand. But, I mean, I think you, <clears throat> you've clearly can I jump? Can I jump in there? Um, yeah, obviously, I wouldn't say that I would describe UK as a land of milk and honey, but let's assume it is. One thing to remember, you still have to look after the bees for the honey to be made. And you cannot slaughter the cow and eat the meat. I mean, for those who eat meat, you know, you still, you still have to look after the cattle that provide the milk and the exactly. bees that provide the honey. So if you end up trying to get all the bees and all the honey, if you try to get all the honey and all the milk all at the same time, you might eventually find out that you run out of milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Then for people who might be watching, how can they contact you? I know I've got your email on here. Is that the only channel we can reach you? I know a lot of people are now coming to you now for more insights, you know. <laughs> well, we try, we're fully booked out for one-on-one. So we end up like asking people to go to the blog. We've got moneywisedoctor.com, okay. um, which has got a lot of useful financial information. Um, the email obviously is still there, support at moneywisedoctor.com. Um, okay. I, I could share the links for you. Um, yeah. we, if you, if you head over to the site, we've got a few things. We've got a free book on, especially for first time home buyers who move to the UK and the one step by step guidance. We've got a guide that's for free there to download and also mm-hmm. things about life insurance that you can get. And even more importantly, there's a quiz. We tend to say a phone quiz you can do in two minutes, three minutes to sort of like assess your financial situation, work out where you need to improve, what you can do yeah. to improve. So it's a quick quiz. And most people who have done it have found it very useful. So yes. all those are on our homepage of moneywisedoctor.com. Yeah, probably you just share those links with me. And um, I'm just so, going to pop it in the description of this video so that people okay. can you know, easily access them and read the articles, take the quiz, or if there are slots or whenever slots open for you know, bookings, one-on-one consultations, then they can happily book those sessions. Um, let me see. Yep, I'm just checking if there are any questions or comments. I can't see anyone on Twitter. Let me just have a quick look. 
right here. Okay, I can't see anyone. So hopefully people will still look out for your channel. Uh, you've also got a YouTube channel, right? Oh yeah, you can see I've, I've almost forgot that. <laughs> yeah, so we, we started out with writing weekly newsletters and then it, keep grow, it kept growing and started getting like several thousand hits on the page per, per week. Um, but now some people also want video and audio, so we thought, well, maybe we managed to jump in the in front of the camera, and uh, <laughs> while we're <laughs> we're new to YouTube, so there's a YouTube channel. I probably send it to you as well. But it's yep. like Money Wise, yeah, it's Money Wise Doctor YouTube channel, and maybe I might also get this video up there so that people who come over can see that it's not just about we don't just talk about stocks and bonds and buying a house and interest rates we also talk about financial therapy and black bags and exactly. all that things <laughs> yeah I mean, the one is psychological <laughs> intertwined exactly uh yeah so thank you so much for making our time i know time is very precious um, in the uk and uh, we can't even afford your bills anyway and it's been an interesting <laughs> conversation so hopefully one of these days we'll still have you back on the show to you know talk about other issues right uh i don't know if you have any parting words for people who are watching no it's an absolute pleasure thank you for inviting me and for people who are watching i said remember to take care of yourself prioritize your well-being as much as you want to contribute to other people remember you have to be well to be able to help someone else so prioritize your physical mental emotional spiritual financial well-being and that way you might be in a better place to be able to you know support someone else all the best well spoken like a doctor spiritual <laughs> <laughs> and body baby <laughs> all right thank you so much guys and uh, we'll see you some other time all right then cheers bye-bye We have come to the end of another captivating episode of Behind the Scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron and I hope he has left you inspired and enlightened. The dedication, compassion and expertise showcased by these unsung heroes of healthcare deserve our utmost admiration and gratitude. We want to extend our heartfelt appreciation to all healthcare professionals who work tirelessly day and night to provide exceptional care to patients. Your selflessness and unwavering commitment to improving lives are what makes the healthcare system truly remarkable. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Your feedback is invaluable and helps us continue bringing you engaging stories from the heart of healthcare. In the coming episodes, we'll continue to explore diverse roles and contributions of healthcare workers, share more inspiring stories of resilience and innovation. We'll also delve into critical topics such as healthcare disparities, mental health in the medical profession, and the future of healthcare technologies. We will also tell patient stories as we have realized they are the reasons why we do the work that we do. If you have a story you'd like us to feature, a healthcare professional you'd like us to highlight, or a patient stories that you would like us to tell, we'd love to hear from you please connect with us on social media or through our websites or better still drop us an email and let's continue the conversation. 
Remember, Behind the Scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron is not just a podcast. It is a celebration of the remarkable individuals who form the backbone of our healthcare system. Join us on this journey as we shine a light on the invaluable work they do, often with little recognition, but with boundless impact on patient lives. Thank you for being part of the community and for supporting Behind the Scenes in Hell with Dr. Ron. Together, let's amplify the voices of healthcare workers and patients and ultimately celebrate the unseen efforts that drive the heart of healthcare. Until next time, stay curious, stay inspired, and stay connected. Take care, and I'll see you soon in another episode of Behind the Scenes Health with Dr. Ron. Bye for now.